is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Today's episode is really important for those doing church ministry in today's world. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and we're excited to present to you some of the excellent material from this year's Church for the Rest of Us conference. We are excited because today's episode contains some helpful tips and practices for screening and training volunteers so ministries can create camps, events, and Sunday worship experiences that care well for kids and students. We all know that we live in a world that goes the other direction on this, so we want our churches and ministries to be as safe as possible. We know we live in a broken world and that there are no guarantees, but we want to do all we can to protect our kids and our students. Yeah, that's right, Leslie. Now, all of us have a lot to learn in this area. Nobody has it all figured out, but today we are going to turn the mics over to our experts at Family Church. So today we have Jake Kimbrell and Wendy Serna, and they're going to introduce themselves, and they're going to dive into the material they presented at this year's conference on caring well for kids and students. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Jimmy and Miss Leslie for having us. And I'm so excited because today we are going to talk about an exciting but but necessary topic for the church today. And before we dive into our content, I want us to introduce ourselves. And so my name is Jake Kimbrell, and I get the privilege of serving as the minister to students at Family Church Sherbrooke. And I've been at Family Church and really in South Florida for about five years now, married to my wonderful wife, Cassie. And we have two incredible, incredible boys. And so we love love Family Church and really feel passionate about what we're going to talk about today. Same for me, Jake. Thanks so much. My name is Wendy Serna. I get to serve at our Family Church Jupiter campus, and I love living here. I've been here about three years, and my husband and I can't get enough of this beautiful weather in South Florida. So we love serving at Family Church, and I love just the care that we're going to be talking about today for our kids and our volunteers as well. So I'm really looking forward to having this talk. So, Jake, I've been thinking about what we talked about at the conference, and it was just really good to go through this again and mm-hmm. just um, just to understand that there's a real gravity to just the situations of abuse. And it's not something that you jump into. And like you said, it's like it's something that's a little heavy. And so we want to take this seriously. And so at Family Church, we do take this seriously. And one of the things that we have done is that we have try to focus on this environment of creating a place that prevents abuse and that it properly receives and responds to reports of abuse. Mm -hmm. So that's mainly what we'll be talking about today. And one of the biblical foundations that we have for that is John 10 to 11. And it says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what we see in our world today. Mm-hmm. That's what Satan's trying to do. But Christ gives us this hope and he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So just like Christ, we want to be able to model that example and lay down our lives in a sense where we're caring for these children. We're Mm. watching over them. We're teaching our volunteers to have proper procedures. We're screening them well. So that's really where all of this stems from. That's right, Wendy. And you said something a little bit early on as you were talking about our idea for today that we're going to be talking about. 
and this idea of caring well. And caring well is certainly, it's a, it's a biblical idea. Like you said, we have to be good shepherds. We have to know our people, know our flock, and know how to care for them the best way possible. But caring well is not necessarily a, a, a uniquely family church idea. More or less, it's something that as a network, as a church, we see the importance of it. And we're actually partnering with a lot of other churches in this initiative. And so tell us a little bit more about what Caring Well is. Sure, sure. I'd love to. Well, Caring Well is the material that's actually designed to equip the local church to be able to properly respond to reports of abuse of all kinds. There's a there's a book, there's some online videos, and it, what it does is it teaches you the proper procedures for reporting, for recognizing, and then how to support victims of abuse. Again, we've done this across all of our 15 campuses, and we have really benefited from making sure everybody's on the same page in learning this material. So what we did to start was Family Church sent a team to the Caring Well Conference in Texas, and we mandated that the entire staff read the Caring Well book and then complete the Caring Well videos. We just want to make sure that we're on the same page. And on a network level, we determined every volunteer that serve at Family Church will watch some or all of the Caring Well videos as a requirement to serve, depending on where they serve. That's great. And Wendy, I love that we are a church that is striving to care well. And that sounds like something so basic, right? We all strive to care Mm -hmm. well, but I love that as a church, we're asking our staff and we're asking our volunteers to go the extra mile to take this training to really understand what it means to care well for our people. And I know that kids ministry is a really, really big part of that. And so, Wendy, how do these ideas flesh themselves out in the kids' ministry side of what we do here at Family Church. Yeah, so we need to be active shepherds who protect God's kids and have these proper responses to abuse. So what we've done is we're going to prioritize our screening methods for volunteers. We're going to create environments that make it difficult for abusers to enter our environments. And we know that in the middle of all this, we kind of want to wish it away, mm-hmm. but it's not going away. That's right. That's right. And we know the kind of society we're living in, so we want to be vigilant in providing these secure environments and then protecting the abused. So we've come up with some few areas of recommendation that will just start us off on a good foot here. So I have a couple that I'd love to share right now. One of them is that we create clear policies that are clearly communicated to and annually reviewed with the staff. So like I said, clear and clear mm-hmm. and then annually. So you know, you can always make a policy that's good, but then every year we'd like to refine that and make that better. We're going to define inappropriate physical touch. So it might sound uncomfortable to call that out, but to even say things like wrestling with kids, sitting in laps, piggyback rides, full frontal hugs, all of these types of things should be labeled as inappropriate and then come up with good alternatives like, hey, a fist bump or a side hug. Those will really help keep those types of touch appropriate and where we wouldn't question the volunteers that are interacting with our kids. We also know that applications need to include risk indicators. So maybe that person's been to multiple churches or multiple states, so that's a red flag. We interview everyone one-on-one. So that will give you that time to really hear their story, hear where their heart is in ministry. And then sometimes if it's a brand new person that we're thinking, 
I really don't know much about this person. They have attended our church long enough. I haven't interacted with them with enough. We'll do a two-on-one interview. And so I'll grab another staff member or another, maybe a longtime volunteer, and we'll do a two-on-one interview just so we know that we're all kind of collecting the same information and feeling the same way about that volunteer being on our team. Then, we, of course, we check their references. So not only are we going to take a reference, we're going to follow up with that person, call them, and we'll talk about a little bit later, I have some questions that we could ask on those reference checks. And we do a criminal background, and those are annual. And we don't accept them. So people say, oh, at my work, you know, we had a background check. And so we'll let them know that we also are going to do one. Mm -hmm. And that does actually speak volumes of care when I say that to people while we do our own. And they go, no, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. I'm glad you guys do all that. So creates that confidence for both ends. And then security, we love to have like that kid check and meet people right there, create a direction flow, have colored lanyards for people that are serving and knowing who should be in those hallways, who shouldn't be in the hallways, keeping class ratios low. And these might sound like things like, well, of course you would do these. Well, we need to do these. We need to be vigilant in keeping these things happening and keeping things organized so that we are recognizing who belongs and who doesn't belong. That's right, Wendy. I love that. And one thing that we've noticed is that even though we are reviewing these policies annually, there are going to be things that come up throughout the year that maybe we're learning from other churches or maybe that we haven't exactly thought about. And so we've given ourselves the freedom to change some of these policies throughout the year as we see needed. And as we see some some things that need to be updated, we do that. And yeah. so one of the things that we've done here recently at Family Church, some guidelines that we've updated is that we actually don't allow any of our middle school students, so our sixth through eighth grade students, to serve in our preschool or in our kids ministry. That really was difficult for us in a lot of ways because that wasn't what we've allowed in years past. And we knew there'd be some hard conversations that came along with that. But there was one statistic that our student ministry team learned that was really eye-opening for us. And it was that the average abuser can begin abusing even at the age of 13, Mm. 13 years old. And that just was so eye-opening to us. And A part of that is we want to put our students in positions where they're going to be safe as well as our kids. And so we actually asked our middle school students to not serve in kids ministry anymore or in preschool ministry. Our high school students, so ninth through 12th grade, they are allowed to serve in kids and in student ministry. However, students must be 16 years old or older to serve in the nursery environments where they're going to be changing diapers and those sorts of things. And we actually don't allow our students to change diapers. That's a a strictly adult only responsibility. One thing that we also did was kind of monitor the the frequency in which our students were serving. So if our high school students are going to serve in kids ministry, we asked that that's actually only once a month. And our student ministry don't actually count as adults in the classroom. So they are in addition to already having two background checked adults that have gone through your systems and your processes for how you onboard your volunteers. And these were just some of the ways that we updated our policies for our student ministry to partner with our kids ministry to create the safest environment possible. You know, Jake, just listening to that again, it felt like a lot Mm -hmm. at first. I'm just going to be really real here. When we changed a lot of this, I thought, how is this going to happen and why? And the more that we did it and the more that I saw these processes and the protection and the layers of protection, I'm not going to say it was easy, 
but God provided and pulled into different volunteers of different ages to fill in these gaps. So again, a good spiritual lesson, good things to learn that God will provide. And at the same time, I thought we are doing a good thing because we are protecting our kids from things we probably won't even be able to dream about in our head. And so I'm thankful that we have changed some of these and refined them. That's right. And we we knew the conversations w- would be difficult, but we knew that ultimately we were putting the safety of our kids and our students first. And it's just been amazing the way God has blessed those conversations for us. And even in student ministry, we have our own ways for how we onboard our volunteers and the people that we're putting in groups with our students. And we knew that as we were going to figure out how we were going to onboard these volunteers, we had to dispel two myths that oftentimes come along with trying to decide, is this person going to be a good fit for our environment or not? And the the first myth was that we would know if there was an abuser in our church, that we would know if this person was someone that we should or should not allow to be with our student ministry without any of these references or background checks or those sorts of things. Some of these people, they may be some of the most persuasive but also dangerous people that could be in our churches. And we know that they're charming and oftentimes really, really disarming. But having a process in place gives us the opportunity to spot out those things. And then the second myth was that updating our policies is just going to simply take care of the problem for us. We knew that that wasn't going to be the case. And so we have to do our jobs of creating a culture of transparency and protection and accountability when it comes to our students and our volunteers. Something we say at Family Church is that culture eats strategy for breakfast (laughs) every single day. And so we have to work hard to build that culture and we have to react appropriately when someone comes to us with a case of abuse. Mm -hmm. We have to do our job of following up on that and staying true to the processes that we are going to put in place. And so in student ministry, this is how we onboard a student ministry volunteer. So much like kids ministry, the first step is that we have an interview. We never interview any of these candidates alone. We don't want to have these kind of conversations in isolation. We want other people to be able to speak into this process and speak into kind of where we're thinking this individual is going to be a good fit serving in our ministries. Our second step is that we have our applicants complete the following forms, a background check, an application to serve, our leadership expectations, and if a student is wanting to serve in kids ministry, we require three things. We have to have a sexuality conversation with their parents. So this is just kind of something that we have seen in culture over the past three or four years really become a big issue in this generation is this conversation of sexual identity and sexual fluidity and those sorts of things. So we want to have those conversations with the student and the parent. We prefer those conversations would be in person. We require them to fill out a statement of beliefs and an incident report so they see what those look like on our end. And then also we even ask our students to fill out two reference forms. Hmm. Jake, you know, just kind of hearing, I know you have a little bit more you want to share in this, but just even going through this again, it makes me see like there's a lot here to do, but it's totally worth it. That's right. When we're completing this process, I found that it really gives us those red flags that will pop up that we go, hmm, maybe something's off or maybe this person's not ready. Whatever it is, it's just been really helpful to flesh these things out from the get-go rather than finding it out after they've been in our ministry serving for six months. That's right. And you really want to see all of these things through to completion before you just 
open the gate and allow someone to start serving in your ministry. And mm-hmm. so before we let someone serve in our ministry, the background check, the references, everything all have to be uploaded into our database for us to have the green light for this person to come and serve in our ministries. Something else that we do is we collect and we contact all of the references. And so we ask for a member of the opposite gender to have a reference for a pastor or a minister from a previous church, a professional reference from an employer, and then list their employment history over the previous 10 years. And like you said, for kids ministry, Mm -hmm. just gives us an idea if they're consistent places or if they kind of have a rhythm of bouncing around from place to place, because those could be red flags. Mm -hmm. The fourth step that we do is we ensure that the applicant meets the following requirements, that they've attended family church for a minimum of six months is a baptized member of Family Church. And this lets us know that they're on board with what we believe. And then the last step is we walk through a volunteer training document for their specific position. We don't we don't want to pull the wool over anyone's eyes and let them have a false perception of what they're walking into. We want them to know exactly what we're going to be asking them to do. So their expectations, a job description, and then even a, a monitored walkthrough where one of our student ministers is going to walk with them on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and show them exactly what they are going to be doing. And we found that's been incredibly, incredibly helpful for us in our onboarding process. Next is let's walk through some best practices when working with minors that we've seen. So first and foremost, we have to to live a lifestyle of integrity, maintaining a high level of accountability, even in our own ministry leadership with our small group leaders. We are subject to continual background checks. We do not ever allow anyone to be one-on-one with students in a private or semi-private setting, including vehicles. So important. You know what I say to my volunteers? If you ever look at a child and you say, I am alone with a child, you are in a bad position. That's exactly right. And you need to get out and get another adult. So that's what I always tell them. Always say that to yourself. That's exactly right. If you find yourself one-on-one, find the fastest way out of that situation Mm -hmm. to bring someone else in. And then we also don't promise confidentiality. We do tell our students that, you know, we know this is something difficult that you're walking through and we're not going to broadcast this anywhere. But what we are going to do is we are only going to bring in the people to the conversation that need to be in the conversation. We want to honor the trust that you've given to us by telling us some of these areas of your life. We want to honor that by only bringing in the people that need to know. And that also goes along with just knowing your state's reporting guidelines. Mm. Here in Florida, thankfully, we are a mandatory report state. And so in a lot of ways, this takes the decision out of our hands. If a student comes to us, we have to do something about it. And that's a collaborative decision, Wendy. So if a student comes to me, and says they want to report something, I immediately pull in my matrix pastor and my campus pastor. And then from there, it goes all the way up to our lead pastor, Pastor Jimmy, because we want our student to know this is how seriously we take this allegation and this report. And we want you to know that we're bringing in every person necessary to have these conversations. You know, Jake, just you saying that again makes me realize how important it is to have this team and to collaborate. And that's what I love about Family Church is that we are collaborative in every area, including caring for the abuse. So you don't have to feel like you're alone if you think, oh, my gosh, that would be my worst day ever if a student or if a child reported abuse to me. You don't have to do it alone, and we don't. So I love that we have it set up, that we are a team, and we go to our matrix leader or go to our pastor, and we all work together to make sure we're doing it the right way. 
So, Jake, I have a couple additional safeguards and tips that we also have just added and kept along the way that are really good at just, again, kind of weeding out the person that you would not want in your ministry that could create some issues for you. So we make sure that, like you said, for a year, for an unknown person, is that year, there's a year of that person attending your campus if they're a non-member, because you're just not sure who they are, where they've come from, if they're committed to your church. Now, if they're a member or they've been around for a while, that's different. That could be like a person that's around for for six months that is known, that is a member. And so that would change things. And so we can speed up that process a little bit, but we're not looking it to be quick. That's right. You're not sacrificing the process. Right. We want to make sure we see good rhythms and patterns and people are establishing relationships with these people. And then we're all on the same page. And then there might be an expedited process for someone who is coming outside of their campus or ministry area to help with that. So like, say there's someone that's just been at your church for 20 years and they decide, oh, I really want to serve in kids' ministries. I would pull my pastor in and say, hey, can we just kind of move this forward? And they've been here for a while and that pastor would okay it. Again, it's like that collaborative thing where I know we're all doing the right thing. Some interview questions that I'll ask when I have a volunteer applicant, it's really helped me to ask them this personal questions to hear what they think about, first of all, their family. So I'll just say, tell me about your family. So an open-ended question rather than who or what, to hear their thoughts about their spouse or their thoughts about their children. And then I go moving on to what makes you interested in serving in kids or student ministry. So the interest is really going to show me where their heart is. So is it something where they feel like it's a checkbox where I can speak into that and and talk about that spiritually? Or is it something where it's showing a desire in their heart? They're desiring to give. Tell me about your faith journey. Love hearing their journey. And sometimes they don't know what that means. And that's another red flag when they say, well, what do you mean by faith journey? They should be able to jump in and be able to identify when they were saved, when they believed in Christ as their Savior. And then what do you do professionally? So sometimes that's really helpful because say they do, maybe they play piano on the side, and then I can also connect them to our worship team. So there's lots of things I learn about when they do things professionally and what they might be able to bring to the team. And I always ask about their areas of strength and weaknesses and also giftedness so that I could see if they have that proper balance of, well, here's what I'm good at, and then here's some things I do struggle with, so please don't ask me to do that, or if you do, I need you to support me. But I love that because you are trying to, in this interview, really get to know the person, really figure out their strengths and weaknesses and where Mm -hmm. they're going to serve the kingdom best, because maybe at the end of that, they come to you and say that it's actually not kids ministry. Maybe it is worship, but not only are we just screening them, we're getting to know them. We're getting to, to love mm-hmm. on them, which I think is really, really important. Right. Like we should walk away and feel like we made a new friend. That's right. So some of the questions I will call their references and ask is please describe your relationship with the candidate. It's always very telling. How long have you known him or her? How would you describe this candidate's spiritual maturity? It's very helpful for me. I really love that question. And then on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable are you with this candidate working with minors? Again, one to 10, how comfortable would you feel leaving your own children alone with this candidate? And then what are the candidate's greatest strengths? And is there anything else you would like for me to know about this candidate? That question right there has been extremely helpful because it really gives them that moment to open up if they need to, or they give them 
absolute praise. And it just makes me that much more comfortable about having them on my team. That's right. And you don't have to immediately follow up with another question if maybe there's some silence in those in mm. those kind of interviews or those conversations. Let them tell you what you need to know about this applicant. So, Wendy, I think those are really important questions. And we also have some safe methods for us to live by mm-hmm. and to model for our teams. And so one of those is that we're not going to leave students unattended. Ever. We always want our students to have two adults with them because it's safe for the student and it's also safe for our church. We're going to be careful not to cause humiliation to our students mm-hmm. because if you want a student to trust you, that is one thing you want to steer clear from. The second that you cause humiliation to a student, they are never going to trust you, especially in our corporate settings where we're in front of other people. And Jake, there's a couple here that I really love. One of them is that we don't peer ourselves with students. We're called to be the spiritual leaders in their lives, not to be their best friends. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep that adult posture in our relationship with them. We need to have solid boundaries, practice maturity. We don't want to be worried about being like them. We want to be the mature adult. We don't need to be the teenager to connect with them. That's right. We need to be ourselves. That's right. And then another thing that we can do, Wendy, is we can also be really transparent. But while we're being transparent in these ministry conversations, we really need to utilize discretion. One thing that we say often is that it is not okay to discuss married people things with non-married people. Mm -hmm. Just like maybe sometimes we can get carried away talking about our past experiences in front of our students, which might give them the wrong idea. It may be helpful in some conversations but we found it's not very helpful with conversations with our students. And then finally, we just want to know the theological positions of our church. And we want to affirm those in conversations with our students, even when it comes down to the recommendations that we're giving them for people to listen to. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a couple great resources we'd love to recommend to follow up with that. Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused by Brad Hambrick, and then Caring Well Videos and Training, which can be found at churchcares.com. And Jake, I don't know about you, but it was great to be here today. And it just made me realize once again, the importance of caring well for our kids and volunteers. Wow. So much good information there. And we do have a way that we approach this topic at Family Church. And I'm sure our listeners have their own way, but all of us need to learn from each other because this issue is so important. That's right. We sure have a lot to learn. And that's really what Church for the Rest of Us is all about. Yeah, well, let's wrap it up for today. And as we do, I want to let our listeners know that we will be back next time, next episode, to talk about developing theologically grounded leaders. We're in the people development business here at Family Church, and we want to make sure that the leaders we develop have good theology. So join us for that presentation from Dr. Mark Warnock and soon to be Dr. Angel Turbyville. So for Leslie Bennett, Jake Kimbrell, and Wendy Cerna, this is Jimmy Scroggins signing off. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.